Hi, this is Pastor Austin from Connection Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our services, you can go to ConnectionNYC.com or check us out at ConnectionNYC on Instagram. Hope you enjoy it and hope to see you soon. Uh, We are so grateful that you have chosen to come and worship with us this morning. Uh, Our church has been going through uh, this series on prayer, and today we will be talking about supplication. And supplication is making our request known to God earnestly and humbly, making our requests known to God earnestly and humbly. And where we are is uh, we've gone through this acronym uh, ACTS, and we've talked about adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And we talked about how adoration is taking time to focus on God and who He is, not necessarily the things that He does, but just who He is, who His person uh, is. And we talked about uh, confession and that that was submitting the things that we've done. It was recognizing that God is great and we are not and submitting the things that we've done against God uh, so that he can put us into a posture of thanksgiving, which is us recognizing all the work in our life that he's doing through the brokenness in our life. And today we're going to talk about how all of those things lead to supplication. So we will be in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36. Uh, If you didn't scan the QR code in the back, you can go to connection.family, and at the top, uh, I believe the top button says worship, you can click on that and scroll past all the worship lyrics. There will be uh, the scripture that we are in today, and if you want to have the scripture in your own physical Bible or your own version on your phone, that is more than welcome as well. So Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36, when we think about true supplication in the way that it's modeled in Scripture and the examples that we see, uh, we can look to one of those strongest examples in Jesus. And it's right here in Matthew chapter 26. So if you would uh, dive in with me, we'll kind of read some, we'll break it down, and we'll talk a little bit about supplication today. So starting in verse 36 says, Then Jesus went with them, them being his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here, while I go over there and pray. In verse 37, it says, And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which were James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, in this moment, we see Jesus making his request and his feelings known to God with the weight of what is to come, which is his crucifixion and his arrest. Jesus asked the Lord, if there's any other way, if there's anything else that can be done, let it so if the responsibility and punishment of the sin of the entire world did not have to fall on him let there be another way in Luke chapter 22 verses 41 through 44 uh, we see the same account and it goes into a little more detail it says and he being Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying father if you are willing remove this cup from me nevertheless Not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. 
if we're going to take our request to Jesus in supplication, if we're going to ask him and we're going to make our, our ask, we're going to submit that to God and we're going to do that in the way that scripture calls us to do it, we have to ask humbly and earnestly. Now, earnestly is with passion, with conviction. And we see that Jesus was so convicted. He was so passionate in his prayer and his ask of God. He says, if anything else can be done, let it be done. But God, only your will. And he was so intense that when he was praying, his sweat became like drops of blood. He prayed so intently, his sweat was literally blood. But even in all this intensity and with all this uh, earnestness from Jesus and him praying so passionately, he was still humble because he said, look, I don't want to have to die. I don't want to be arrested. I don't want to be crucified. If there's anything else we can do, God, let's do that instead. But at the end of all of it, he said, ultimately, God, whatever you want, though, this is your decision. You just let me know. In true supplication, when we ask something of God, this is how we are to make our requests known. We are earnestly, intensely, sincerely, passionately pouring out our heart and soul to God. And the part that completes the process of supplication is not only that we ask these things earnestly, but we ask them humbly. And I think for most of us, that's the difficult part. It's hard to have both. Most of us are super humble and we go to God and we're like, hey, whatever you want for my life, that'd be great. And there's no passion in it. We're not praying earnestly. There's no real desire there. We're just kind of going through the motions and we're just like, hey, God, whatever you want, because I know you're going to take care of it. That is not supplication. God gives us passion and desire on purpose. It's not there by accident. He places these things in our hearts so that we will come to him passionately. And at the same time, we're passionate. We are also humble. It's hard to do both at the same time. Often when we feel so strongly about something that we're asking passionately, it's hard for us to be humble. If there's something you're passionate about, you want that thing to happen. And it's hard for you to say, beyond anything in my wildest imagination, God, I want to see you move in this exact way, but also whatever you want. That's extremely, extremely difficult. But that's what God calls us to do. He calls us to have this passion and this, this desire and take it to him earnestly. But then at the end of our prayer, right, at the end of supplication, at the end of this process, we're to step back and allow his will to shape ours. Because apart from God, our will and our desire is broken. But if we take our desire to God earnestly and passionately and say, I want to see this happen, and then we allow God to speak into it, at that point, his will shapes what our passion is. And it becomes this perfect kingdom-minded thing rather than just this selfish thing that we want. Colby and I were doing a puzzle together literally yesterday. Um, and it was crazy because last week, I know some of you weren't here last week, but last week I, I had an illustration and I, I used uh, the picture of a puzzle. And in the illustration I just talked about how God is piecing our lives together like a puzzle. And oftentimes when you have a difficult puzzle, you'll put the top of the box up so that you can see the picture, so that you kind of understand better where the puzzle pieces go. And I just said that when we approach God in adoration and confession and thanksgiving, he kind of gives us insight into that big picture so that when we look at pieces of our life, we don't have to be like, 
well, that's strange. Uh, we can be like, oh, I, I think this goes over here because this is what God has been showing me. But So Colby and I are doing this jigsaw puzzle together. And last week we learned I'm not a puzzle person. And it's kind of an abnormal puzzle, especially for a kid's puzzle. It's very difficult. There's like 40 plus pieces. And last week I told you like over 70 was a lot for me. But I learned this week actually over 40 is a lot for me. Um, I called the pieces weird, but Colby taught me that it was more polite to call them unique. So there were a lot of unique pieces. Uh, and she also told me about her strategy to put this puzzle together. And she started with a corner piece. And from there, she kind of built out pieces that look similar and, and kind of in her mind what she called a section of the puzzle. And as she started to put this together and build the pieces in that section, uh, I thought, well, that's like incredible insight from my seven-year-old daughter of like how to, how to piece a puzzle together. And, and even she said, I know this is a corner piece and I know it's at the top because if it was at the bottom, this part of the picture on the puzzle would be upside down. And I was like, you're so right. It would be upside down. And so as she's putting this together, there was a moment that was like an aha moment for me in thinking about the illustration from last week and just learning from Colby like I do every week. She teaches me so much. Um, she put a piece down, and it was kind of like a crossover puzzle piece, right? There was, there was a part of it look, looked like the section that she was already putting together, and then there was this other part of it that was like a new section. And she put it down, and she said, yes, we unlocked another part of the puzzle. And I thought... That is incredible. That is like, you don't even know how deep that is because how often are we going to God with our passions and our desires and this thing that he's placed in our heart and this desire he's given us and we're like, God, I want that, but we're not willing to let him place the puzzle pieces on the puzzle to get us to that part. We haven't even unlocked that part of our life yet. And we're like, God, we want to be in that part. And he's like, yo, you're not there yet. You're still building on this section. I'm still working in this area. And once I've worked in that area and you give me those pieces and you allow me to place them, then I'm going to give you that. But until then, you're not getting it. And that is what supplication is. When we go to God and we say, this is our passion. This is our desire. This is what we want to see happen. This is what we know honors and glorifies you. But ultimately, God, you show me how to get there. I'm putting the ball in your court. I'm saying, I know you've given me this love. I know you've given me this thing that I want to accomplish, but ultimately I need to accomplish it your way. We can't unlock the puzzle on our own. We need God to build it out for us. And unless we're allowing him to do that, and unless we're willing for him to step in and we're giving him these things, we're going to be stuck in the same section of our puzzle for years. If you have a mentor, it's been really common for me when I'm talking to any mentor, they're like, I just ran from God in this area for so long, and it was years until I figured out he was trying to do this thing. Or I wanted to see this happen, and it was so crazy because I tried so hard to make it happen for X amount of time, but as soon as I realized that God wanted me to give him this specific thing, it just all fell into place. It just all happened. Don't be that person. Don't be the person who's like, oh, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No, be the person who's like, I don't know how this is going to work. God, I know that you've called me to do this. I know that you've given me this godly kingdom-minded desire. Here's the puzzle, man. You do it because no matter what I want, nevertheless, your will be done. Your will be done. And Jesus knew this. Even though that Jesus was praying literally to not have to die, Jesus wasn't praying to have like a strong social media presence. He wasn't praying for his worship service to be like over 150. He was like, if I could just not die, 
Is there anything else we can do? I've submitted my life to you, and I know that you've called me to this, but Lord, if there's any other way, let's do that, right? Let's do that instead. Can you imagine the impact that this would have on our lives as followers of Jesus? If instead of saying, hey, God, look at all these great plans that I have. I know they honor you and I know they're in line with your word and I feel really good about them. So it'd be great if you bless them. Right. How many of our prayers go up like that? How much of our conversation happens that way? But what if instead we said, God, I don't know the whole picture. I don't know the importance of each piece in my life that you're working through. So God, this is what I think should happen and what I'm passionate about, but not my plans, your plans, God, not my desires, your desires, not my comfort, but your kingdom. As we read further, um, we'll be in Matthew uh, 26 verses 40 through 44. So we see in that whole first section in this first point, if you're writing something down of what we just went over is we have to ask humbly. If we're going to bring our desires to God and we're going to ask earnestly and passionately, we also have to ask humbly. So supplication starts with a humble ask. And then we see in verse 40, it says, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In verse 42, again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, Peter, James, and John, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went and prayed for a third time saying the same words again. Not only is it difficult to be humble when we're passionate about something, but especially for me, it's also extremely difficult for us to be patient when we earnestly ask for something. See, we can go to God passionately and humbly. Let's say we get that down and we pray to God and we're like, all right, I did everything you said, now give me an answer. That's oftentimes how I treat my prayer life with God and my conversation with God. It's tempting for us as believers to say everything we need to say to God and then just disconnect or disengage without allowing any time for God to speak. This manifests in literally spending the entire time we are in prayer talking or praying for something only one time and then moving on. How often do we go to prayer and we immediately start talking, and as soon as we say amen, we're like, whoop, good prayer, and we're out. Praying to God, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, all of those things are coming together, and it's a conversation with God. It's speaking and listening. And if we're not able to do the listening, then we're really only doing half of the praying. We're not allowing God's will to shape what we're praying. Could you imagine having a conversation with someone and during the conversation, they tell you everything that's going on in their life, what they're excited about, what they hope uh, will happen in the near future, and they even ask you to help them. And before you even have time to answer, they just said, okay, thanks, and left. How often are we treating our prayer conversations with God the same way? We're just like, God, 
this has been difficult and I'm really going through it and I really need you to move in this area and I really, really need you to move in this area because I actually, I know that that honors you and that glorifies you and I know you want this to happen. So I'm going to need that to happen ASAP and amen. And then we're just gone. Not another thought until we get overwhelmed again. And then we're like, oh, time to pray again. And then immediately start talking. And as soon as we're done talking, we're gone. How do we expect God to move in our life if we are not willing to wait patiently for him to speak back to us? And so Jesus doesn't just go a stone's throw away and ask people to wait on him. And by the way, when he wanted them to wait, he wanted them to be praying and kind of aware of what he was doing and kind of give him some camaraderie in this moment where he was about to be arrested. And they were just sleeping. Part of waiting patiently is waiting and being aware of what's going on. And even though that you're being patiently, even though you're waiting patiently, rather, you're also waiting expectantly that God is going to answer. You don't know when, but we expect that God will answer us. And that is the example that Jesus gives us because he doesn't just go and pray once and then leave. He goes and he takes time with God and he spends time in prayer, both speaking and listening. And he goes back multiple times. He's so passionate He's so earnest, right? He's so intensely praying that he's sweating blood multiple times, praying about the eventual arrest and crucifixion that he may have to go through. And he's asking God, can I not go through that? And he's waiting for God's response, so much so that he goes back multiple times. And so Jesus is modeling that we pray to God and we listen for God's answer until we receive some sort of affirmation from God. If you've been given a desire to pray about something, that desire is not typically to pray about it one time and then stop. It's to pray about it until God affirms whatever he's calling you to do with your life in that area. Until he affirms what puzzle piece in your life that you're supposed to be submitting to him so he can work on it so you can unlock the next portion of how he wants you to follow him. So not only as we're spending time in prayer and supplication, not only are we praying humbly, but we are waiting patiently. In true supplication, after we submit a humble, passionate ask of the Lord's movement, we wait patiently and expectantly for his answer. In Matthew 26, verse 45 says, then he came to the, the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. You see, Jesus prayed until he was confident in God's affirmation of what had been called what he had been called to do he was clear what God's will was and it was affirmed through the presence of his betrayer and Jesus went back and prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he said God please let there be another way and then on the horizon here comes Judas with a group of soldiers to arrest Jesus And he had waited and he had waited and he had waited for God's answer and he was expectant about an answer and then he got his answer. His answer was, I can't take this cup from you, Jesus. I'm sorry. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be crucified. And so not only do we submit and ask in a humble and earnest way, not only do we wait 
patiently for God's answer, but no matter what that answer is, we react obediently. We react obediently. Understanding that God's will and His desire shaping our will is what's best for our life, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't know why something's happening, even when we think, man, I know of so many other ways that this could happen that are way better than what God wants. Even when that's our mindset, we submit our will to God's will and we react obediently, understanding that even when we don't know everything, even when we can't see the whole picture, even when we don't understand the puzzle piece, even when we don't know why we're still in this section of our life and we're supposed to be in this section of our life, God knows. His will is superior to ours. And he loves us so much that he gives us prayer as a way for us to actively be involved in the process, even though we have no idea what we're doing. God gives us these desires and this wisdom and this knowledge beyond what our own knowledge is. And we take that to God and he says, hey, I gave you that knowledge and you actually understand most of it, but you still don't understand all of it. So pray that back to me learn something about yourself, then give me control of what you're praying because I'm going to finish it up for you. I'm going to point you exactly where you need to go if you just ask humbly, wait patiently, and react obediently. You see, what's fascinating to me is Jesus could have used the knowledge that he gained from praying at that moment to flee and attempt to escape those who were coming to arrest him. He could have tried to escape his responsibility in God's will, but he didn't. He knew. I, don't, I can't remember if it's Mark or Luke, but in another account it says literally while he was speaking to the disciples, while he was saying, you know, we have to get up and go because my betrayer is here, mid-sentence they were there. This was all happening at once. And Jesus doesn't say, get up, we have to get out of here. He says, hey, sleep later because the hour is at hand. The moment that I have submitted my entire life for is now coming to an end. The moment where I'm going to be crucified, the moment where I'm going to save you guys, it's here. So wake up. You don't want to miss it. And even though I've been praying passionately that this won't happen, God's will be done, not my own. Jesus' example shows us what our prayer lives look like when they reach the culmination of all the truths that we've been learning about the past several weeks. When we take time to focus on God, we can't help but have adoration for the glory and majesty of who He is. It's this awe and wonder that causes us to realize how good God is and how not good we are and drives us to confession. Through this confession, we understand better and are put into a posture where we realize God is working through all the brokenness we have in our life, and we become grateful and thankful for His sacrifice and sanctification. And with this newly found gratitude, we earnestly submit our request to God by asking humbly, waiting patiently for His response, and reacting to that response obediently. Let's pray together. Lord, we are just so grateful for your son, Jesus. God, we're grateful for the opportunity that you give us to 
just engage you. God, it's, it's Jesus' sacrifice that allows us to come to you in prayer, that allows you to look upon us, God, that allows you to listen to us, to work in our lives. God, and even among all the brokenness that's in our life, Lord, you're working in those areas. God, I pray that, Lord, as a church, as we've gone through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, Lord, I pray that we would take this attitude and this approach to prayer. God, that we would take time to just think about who you are and focus on you so that we can adore you even more. God, that we would take time to think about the areas of our life that are broken, that we need to make available to you to fix. God, we would confess those to you. And God, through that confession, we would see your work in our life. And we would see it in areas that maybe we've overlooked it in the past. And God, we would give thanks and we would be grateful, Lord, that you allow us to be part of your kingdom, that you allow us to build your kingdom. God, that we are your plan A as the church to share your gospel, to share the good news of your son, and to see others come to your kingdom. God, for that, we're thankful. And God, I pray that as we have desires and passions in our heart and we know that they are given to us from you, Lord, that we would bring those to you and that we would passionately pray, God, we wouldn't be passive, we wouldn't go through the motions, but God, we would fall in love with this process of bringing our humble ask to you. Lord, we would wait patiently for you to speak back to us and God, we would just see you move in incredible ways and regardless of what that movement is, we would join you in that movement and react obediently even when we don't understand it. God, we lift all these things up to you, Lord. We ask that you speak back to us. And God, we we take time to listen to you now before we wrap up this prayer, God. Move in our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.